Welcome to the Goldmine Podcast. I'm Shauna Kathleen, and I'm your host. If you're committed to creating your life and building the vision, come with me. So if you're anything like me, you believe that nutrition is a key component in us building our vision in the best way that we know how to. And so me and my friend Michelle from Normalizing Nutrition actually talk about how to enjoy life, enjoy food, enjoy the holidays, and still take care of yourself and still put yourself first as a priority and still have good health through everything going on. Now, I know by the time this is dropping, which is going to be December 29th, the holiday as of Christmas is over. And I want you to remember we're still headed into the new year celebrations and we're just still headed into the new year where there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to utilize these practices and these thought shifts and reframing patterns that we speak about in the podcast throughout the rest of the year. So I really want you to just sit back and although we talk about the holidays and the things that happen about the holidays, you can utilize this at any time. Um, Again, Michelle is from Normalizing Nutrition, and she's a registered dietitian. I'll tell you a little bit more about her, but she has these beautiful views on how we literally get to have our cake and eat it too. So I appreciate you guys. This was a live chat. It was recorded live in the Goldmine Classroom, which is my private Facebook group. It's free for entry if you want to join us in the Goldmine Classroom. It's a beautiful place for female conscious entrepreneurs, and the link will be in the show notes. And you can find all of Michelle's stuff there too if you want to find out more about her after you listen to the podcast. Computer. I'm going to look at this. Hello, everyone. This meeting is now streaming live on Facebook. Cool. So this is the first official Goldmine Coffee Chat Live. And I'm really excited to talk with my friend Michelle, who is a registered dietitian and coach. Um, she's all about normalizing nutrition, if you saw in the video yesterday. And we just want to have a really unscripted, morning time friendly chat about nutrition and the holidays and leadership. And so many of us, the women watching, are entrepreneurs. And like, there's so many, there's so many, di- I was trying to think of like the layers to it. And there's just so many layers, as I was thinking about yesterday, where it links to like, our health, literally, I have a client right now who's having some gut issues and she's having brain fog. And it's like, well, she's building a vision. It's kind of important to think straight. And then it goes into self-worth. And so mm-hmm. I am just very curious. And as you're answering this, I'm going to share it to all of our pages. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really curious what you see is the biggest challenge as far as like, do you see a challenge with being a leader and wanting to enjoy the holiday season as far as nutrition is concerned? Yeah, I think um, leader or not, I think almost everyone to some degree, unless they are in a place where they have a um, healthy relationship with food or their nutrition is normalized, if you will, um, does face a challenge during the holidays when it comes to food because it's a time where, you know, there's more quote unquote temptations and just um, not even so much with just the food, but even in the social aspects that impact how you end up eating. 
and fueling your body um, if you let it. So I think between the like increase of different foods, the social aspect, and also the stress, which we know leads to um, issues with our body and with our food and our hormones and things like that. I think all of that would impact anyone. (laughs) Like anyone would have a challenge with that. And of course, I guess even more so leaders, because if they're in a position when they're running their business on top of the holiday season, you know, that's a challenge in itself too. And for many people, taking care of yourself is the thing that tends to go like first (laughs) on your list of priorities, depending on who you are. Yes. Um, I want to hear about you. I want, like, we've known each other for a while and I know like your story a little bit and I'm curious, you're so good at, at showing, like giving people permission to enjoy life and letting, just like having the cake and eat it too. I can't say it any better way than that. Um, so can you just kind of, I, I want to hear about you and your challenges and accomplishments and just nutrition and your body. And even if, if it leads into your leadership in general, I'm curious. Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah. Um, so my story, I think with food and um, where I'm at with my relationship with food and my body and kind of now being in a position to encourage other people and coach other people and teach people. Um, I think it all started with, for me, um, seeing the powerful part of nutrition first and noticing that this is like, oh wow, this can be really empowering. Um, And this is such a, could be such a positive thing in our lives. Um, however, that didn't always like, that didn't right away translate into where I'm at now, um, with understanding how to navigate food and and feeling comfortable in my body. I think that, um, I was impacted a lot by the smoke of of what I call diet culture and just kind of society. I think as any (laughs) woman is, (laughs) yeah, the smoke, that's so good. The smokes. Yeah. Um, and I also had, I'm one of three girls. So one of my sisters, um, had struggled with, um, her own body image and disordered eating and things like that. And I saw that from, from a young age. And I think that that really angered me. (laughs) So it angered me in the sense that you know, on one hand, I was like, wow, nutrition's so powerful. And then on the other hand, I see, wow, people really struggle with this. Um, and it can cause a lot of shame and it can cause a lot of, um, like just negativity in your body and how you fuel your body and your peace of mind. It affects you in so many ways. So I guess at the time when I was upset with her be struggling <laughs> it's weird to, I guess, as I say it out loud, um, I felt like, why is she struggling with this? And then also her own struggle was projected on to, to me as her, her little sister. 
And that really made me doubt myself and question my body and my worth. Cause again, it's all, I feel like intertwined, especially for women. And as like as a teenager and yeah, I think like that just began the journey for me. And even though I struggled and then I would like maybe try different types of diets and, um, have struggle with my, you know, my own body image acceptance. Um, I still saw, didn't necessarily see nutrition and food as like, um, I still saw the the potential in it, if that makes sense, which led me to studying nutrition and becoming a dietitian and um, really feeling passionate about normalizing nutrition. <laughs> I don't know if this is like making sense, but like that's like the best. I feel like my story is like oddly intertwined with my sister's own journey because of how it impacted me. Um, so I don't know how best to say it, but. I think I was on a mission to kind of prove that nutrition is a good thing. <laughs> like if we just learned how, and then because I was kind of rejecting eventually when I got to college away from the smoke, which I love my sister, we have a great relationship. She knows she was part of my own smoke because she was fighting off her smoke. So she was like, you know, it's like that ripple effect. So when I went to college and was away from her and that, toxicity, I was like, oh, wow, like, I actually look pretty good. Like, I, I realized, like, I'm not, you know, fat, if you like, just being raw and honest here, I, like, it separating from the smoke of her issues allowed me to kind of get away from it. And like, that helped that was part of my healing. And then learning the truth about nutrition, you know, the science, I think there's so much, um, power in the truth of things that can set you free. And then when I started my career as a dietitian and started teaching, wanting to teach people, I realized real fast that not a lot of people were as, um, like just because they had the knowledge cared. Right. So that's mm -hmm. where like the, the soul piece of my work comes in. They, so I call myself now the, the soul led dietitian because Ooh. it's not just about knowing what to do. Um, and I think I had to kind of relive my own journey and acknowledge that emotional piece to really connect with people, um, to feel empowered to change, to use, to benefit from the power of nutrition. Um, but they weren't going to do that if I was just like, hey, Shauna, you, you have this. Oh, you should probably eat that because it's good. for it. It'll be good because what's in between me saying that and you receiving it and doing it is this whole filter and screen of Shauna's world emotions, her tie in with self-worth usually for most women in the society. So it's not as like easy to benefit from the power of nutrition because of all that stuff, that smoke in between us. Um, so it became my mission with normalizing nutrition and working with women, heal their relationship to heal their relationship with food and themselves um, so they can be nourished and free. It became my mission to like do that deeper work. Does that answer the question? Yeah. It actually reminds me of, I don't remember, I don't remember the story about your sister, maybe just vaguely. Um, it reminds me of like people who 
have family members with diseases and then they create these huge movements for like Parkinson's and cancers and um, all of these different types of things. So I think that's a really, I think that's a beautiful story. And it's funny because the point that you got to in making a change is not, I have this conversation with Adam all the time, which Adam is, he's like, he got me to start going to a naturopathic doctor. So he was doing this well before me. He's, he, uh, he is a certified health coach, but before any of that, he had a job at a um, health food store and they were kind of slow. And so he would literally just like open the books and study every single supplement and study how things work. And he's just a total nerd. And it's like, okay, yeah, Shauna, sugar's bad for you. It would make sense. You, we would think that I would learn that sugar is bad and it'd be like, okay, I'm not going to eat any more candy all the time, every day. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to, um, you know, binge it, which is the real challenge is stopping and, and, and things like that. And that's never it. And I have conversations with him all the time because we've both been through our own journeys specifically with food, but I mean, let's be real that it's, it's, it's probable that somebody's not going to commit to a nutritional dietary shift or lifestyle if they don't believe that they're worth it. Like it's just not, and it, it hadn't happened. And I've fallen off myself because that self-worth will plummet based off of life circumstances. And wouldn't it be nice if the, the information alone is what shifts people's desire to do it. And that being said, I find that the deeper, so, so sugar, for example, everybody knows that too much sugar is pretty ineffective for the body's functions in, in whatever direction you want to take that. Um, not, and that doesn't mean it's inherently bad. And I... For the people listening, most of you guys know my story. I was diagnosed with a Crohn's disease. And so I took a very hard look at my diet. And sugar, I, I overcame a sugar addiction a couple of times. And the thing, the thing with the information that's strange is that you learn base information. Like sugar does this to the body in excess amounts or not drinking enough water does this to the body with an excess amounts. And the, the, the more you dive into it, for example, sugar, I'm about to land the plane. The more you dive into the information, into the, then the more you dive into the information, the more you're diving into science. Really, you'll, you'll get to this point where you're reading and learning scientifically about the effects on the body and the even the molecular structures of a compound and what it does to certain things in the body. And when you follow that science down deep enough, you get to this point to where all you're seeing is the potential of what you could be. And then you see that potential enough if you dive into that information deep enough and you're like, oh, this could be real for me. I could do this. That's, this is not only going to change my health in this one single capacity of these stomach issues I'm having. I'm having. This is going to change my mental fog. This is going to change my emotional state. This is going to change my relationships. Like the deeper down you dive into the information, do you, do you have that experience? 
Mm -hmm. I like what you're saying with like the deeper you go to, you realize like, I think that's where that power piece comes like, oh, wow, this really can transform me. And it's not just this in this one way, it's going to spill over in all these other areas. It's going to benefit my body in all these other ways too. And in turn, I'm going to show up better and then my relationships are going to get better and my life's going to get like, it's a ripple effect for sure. Thinking about it now too, once you dive, for me at least, diving into the information, again, let's use sugar as an example because that's everybody's demon. Sugar is so demonized. Uh, When you dive into it, if you start to do self-study, you'll also see how it's impacting the environment, how it's impacting the people around us, how it's impacting the global crises like it becomes so much bigger than than me Mm -hmm. definitely and I think all of that can be maybe like the the lighter like the igniter to like oh gosh like you know the where the journey like you might get the inspiration to start which is great because sometimes it takes that to get us into action I think I would just say like the caution that, or what I see where most people struggle is the, sorry. Oh, I just heard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think sometimes when as um, igniting as that could be, when we start to see all the potential at the same time, it can also end up being the thing that like the gravity of it can be the thing that kind of stops us and, oh. um, and gets us stuck. Cause we're like, like we get overwhelmed by our own greatness and like we think it has to all happen now. And then if you aren't doing it successfully, that same thing that was igniting you now becomes this pile of like shame and like, oh my God, but all of these things depend on it and I suck. And then you don't do anything. (laughs) So it's, you have to be careful because it's like whatever that saying is, or it's like the same thing that could be like really good for you could also not be good for you if you let it turn around. I'm glad you checked me on that because that's totally true. It becomes a, it can become a weight of responsibility. Yes. A weight of responsibility. All right. So what do you, so if, if the ignition can be started by diving into the information, Mm -hmm. right? Like diving in, not just like looking at headlines. The ignition can be started by diving into the information. What, what do you find helps sustainability? And specifically, I'd like to get your take on just, I want to hear you talk about enjoying food and like that emotional piece of not enjoying it to a detriment. Because I know for me, the thing that I didn't even know was an issue until recently was this little bit of like hiding in, in, in over overindulgence and binging right and on those those moments to where i did just eat the thing and didn't overdo it i felt phenomenal i didn't have i didn't have any physical issues show up so i'm curious that emotional piece if what okay what do you see that helps women or people sustain those changes while they get to enjoy their life mm-hmm. yeah i love I love what you're asking. It's like a, a loaded topic. Um, so I, 
to back up with the sustainability and to go back to that igniter, like let's say you're like, oh wow, I really do want to do this. I want to work towards this. I love that you asked that question because this is where most people like they're the mistake, the mistakes happen, and you kind of almost set yourself up for that binge or whatever, you know, that shame later on in your journey. I think it's great. You want to, you see the potential and you're like, wow. And in order to be consistent and really sustain, just like anything else we might've heard, you have to be real with yourself and give yourself the permission and acknowledge the fact that don't, don't jump all in. Like, I know it's like opposite of what we hear and like other things like jump all in, but like with nutrition and like real lifestyle changes, don't jump all in. Decide and know and give yourself the permission that it's, it's going to take a journey. It's going to take time and it's going to be a journey. So yes, you have that huge potential, but you want to start with like small steps to get you there. Um, and avoid the all or nothing. Like I have to cut out all sugar to reap the benefits of that potential that I just read about. Don't do that because you're really going to set yourself up for a journey that's going to be short lived. And the thing about nutrition and our bodies is that eating, it's not like a drug, right? Where you, and even then that's a whole nother topic, but we have to use it every day (laughs) to live. So like you, the all or nothing doesn't work to make this journey sustainable and life-giving. Even if you see the potential where you're like, well, I really want to reap the benefits of not having that kind of added sugar in my diet. That's great. But the truth of the matter is you're probably going to have some sugar in your diet and that's okay. So don't disempower yourself by trying to rip too much off at once. Like, so create a goal from an empowered standpoint. Um, like me and Lucy talk about this on our podcast sometimes, like the, uh, like having an abundance mindset or, um, the crowding out method or an additional, um, like an additional behavior. So if the goal is, for example, if you want to drink or if you want to have less sugar in your, uh, I almost said a Coke addict. I, I meant a Coca-Cola addict, <laughs> a soda addict, the, the way to approach that. So that, and let's say that's a source of a lot of your sugar, just drinking it, whatever rather than I'm cutting out Coca-Cola or even like I'm cutting it down to two, two a week, I would even challenge you more to say like, oh, I'm, you know what? I want to try that new seltzer flavor. I'm going to have seltzer um, twice a week and like just play a mind trick on yourself. Like don't um, like avoid the all or nothing and avoid the scarcity restrict mentality Um, and you will find yourself in a more feel good empowered place and the changes, um, you become more adherent and therefore more consistent in your journey when you take those approaches. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I believe that this conversation gets to be placed on top of a lot of things that people are assuming that have to be all or nothing jumps. Because, I mean, there's so many things we could get into. I love it. And I know with my experience, so the all or nothing, obviously I was detrimentally ill. 
So it really was like all or nothing or die, but so many people don't have that experience. And I saw, if I look back, I can see the point to where the all or nothing turned into um, like being chronically anal about what I'm eating and that turned into stress versus before when it was all or nothing. It was like, I deserve to be healthy. I deserve to, to live. So I'm doing this thing. But then so easily it turns into like, so stressed out to go to family get togethers because I'm so restrictive with myself. I don't want to go out to eat. I don't want to be around friends eating things because it was such an emotional toll. And I think people assume that that's what it's going to be like. And people assume that they must give themselves an emotional toll to be worthy of the healthy body, the abs, the, whatever your, the goal may be. Um, and yeah, that like the seltzer, like replacing your pop with seltzer two days a week versus just saying you're going to only have one pop a day or whatever you were talking about. Uh, I think that that leaves so much room for like celebration. And it's interesting because the, the, I've had so many experiences with, with lifestyles. So I jump back and forth, but the, what it reminds me of and the way to celebrate it, because it is a little bit of a, a stretch, like drinking even just one seltzer a week. There's a little bit of a stretch if you're used to drinking pop or soda all other times. Even if you like the seltzer, it's going to be a stretch because your body's used to the thing, right? And it reminds me of intermittent fasting, which I do a lot. I really enjoy it. And starting out, and even if I fall off and then get back on the wagon of, of intermittent fasting, I, there's this moment where my body wants to just go eat everything in the kitchen. But the stretch... Of, be, of feeling, I'm emotionally hungry here at this point. I'm not hungry, hungry. That stretch of pushing through that emotional hunger, it's like five minutes. And then I, I drop back into the fasting and then I get to celebrate myself. And that's what I'm hearing when I hear you say, like, just change something twice a week. And then that leaves more room for celebration because it's less emotional stretching that gets to happen. Um, is that, is that, make sense to you? Yes, that definitely makes sense. And I think I want to say too, I want to just acknowledge you on your journey because you, you have a unique journey. And I think that, um, to speak to like the all or nothing and like it, it's, it's even more of a challenge for someone who, in your position, who's had a history of something where like, it literally is all or nothing sometimes when it comes to your health. And I think I just want to like caveat here and say like, if you have a shellfish allergy, I'm not, this conversation isn't about, oh, well just ease off the shelf. Like when it's, when it comes like, yes, we want to honor ourselves along the way to make the sustainable changes last. And unfortunately the realities are sometimes our physical bodies and their needs um, overrule not overrule, but kind of override, um, our decisions and our like change status where we might not have that luxury. <laughs> so I do want to say like that sometimes I think do working on goals and the emotional process, which no wonder why you've had, why it is a struggle even more with, uh, and it's so common with people with chronic diseases, especially gut, gut issues and the connection um, to the mind and body or to the mind and gut 
and the gut microbiome. That's a whole nother thing. But you know, that is such a real thing we see. Um, I just want to point out with the, the fear and the heightened emotions, because you've had a history where it's not just, you know, an internal pain hurts too, like the shame and the trauma that, you know, with someone who doesn't have the, the physical ailment, but maybe has the trauma of being overweight and getting, you know, having comments and things like that. But on top of that, someone in your position, you actually have the physical pain associated with some of that too. So it's even more complex. So I just wanted to point that out that like, I see you and I think there's a time and a place where it's like, it kind of really is all or nothing. And even in those positions, I would say like, how can you make it more empowering? How can you lessen the emotional stretch a little bit when your body is already undergoing so much of a physical change? And that's a stretch. Like you have the emotion of, oh my God, I have Crohn's. I have this disease that's like fighting my body. I'm, you know, feel like I'm dying. And now I have to change my diet. And, and that's what I would see in like acute settings where people would have this diagnosis where you really want to follow a nutrition protocol or whatever. But on top, so that's like hard because that's a change we didn't choose. And then on top of it, food is so emotional. So like, you're like, wait, you want me to do what? So it's, it's just, it's a very, um, like layered thing. And I mean, I'm dealing with this with my dad right now with his kidney and his cancer and his it's a, it's a lot because on one hand, we're like, dad, you want to eat this way. But on the other hand, it's like 60 years of attachments and emotion to food where it's a complex situation. Um, I just wanted to point that out, but I'm sorry. What was the, <laughs> you asked me a no. different question. I just want, I just wanted to acknowledge where you were the, and like your own journey. Um, I with appreciate that. that. Thank you. Um, I don't know what the question was, but I do know the next question that I have <laughs> because I'm actually, I'm to the point now. It's so funny. It's like, no, it's no surprise why I do mind, body and somatic work and emotional stuff. Um, when I hear that reflected back to me, but I, I have been at a point, I would say for the last year and a half, maybe a little bit more, I have been at this point, but until recently, I haven't actually accepted that I'm at this point yet because of what you mentioned that I was so extreme and everything was sort of on the line. But I'm finding I'm at this point now to where my lifestyle, specifically uh, around food and the way that we approach nutrition in our household, the way that we cook 98% of the meals here, like we've changed our lifestyles around to where so much, so many things have just become a habit. Like I'm not eating, there's definite things I just like don't eat anymore because I know it affects me. Like we've come such a far, far way, so much so that my naturopathic doctor has moved on to an emotional protocol with me because I, we've like beat the, we've, we're doing so well on the nutritional protocol. And, and, I'm at this point now to where I feel like I can allow a fucking Reese cup occasionally, you know, and it's so nice. And I, I've been playing with the conversation, like the internal dialogue. And this is where I think most, most people are going to be. Um, I think a lot of people assume that it's all or nothing when it's not all or nothing. Like if you, if you think that it's effective for you to lose 50 pounds 
in order to, to feel better and do these things. That's not quite an all or nothing thing. You don't have to stretch, stress yourself out. You're not going to die. Um, and so now that I'm at this point of where it's not all or nothing, I'm playing with my internal dialogue as I'm allowing myself these things. And I've noticed that slip back into that slip back into binge mode, secretive, like binge mode. Um, and excuse me, I want to click on our video just to see things. Um, I've noticed that slip back into binge to where I'll, I'll be like, I'm going to allow myself this today, which even that sentence alone helps me feel better. Like I'm just going to allow myself to have Swedish fish right now and enjoy it because before I would, I knew that I wanted to allow it, but the internal dialogue was, was guilt and shame. Um, and there's something there. Hopefully you can understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. When I allow, I'm switching the internal dialogue to be empowered to enjoy certain foods occasionally, specifically around the holiday season. It started around Halloween because there was, I went like three Halloweens, no candy. I'm fine with it, but I was ready to eat it this year. And so I've been playing with it and there's some sort of slip that happens to where if I go and I eat like a, a couple of Reese cups, let's say, where this the secret of nobody knowing triggers me into possibly like binging and then not feel good is that normal is that like a normal thing yeah so i so i think what you're i love this conversation because it's so important and this is the thing that like impacts our nutrition more than people realize as they're like, oh no, just, I need to know the food and like whatever. And it's like the conversation in your head and your relationship to food and your, the emotional piece, um, can very well be the, the state of that, um, is the, a lot of the times the difference between X amount of calories or feeling like garbage because how you are in that moment, um, can, like you said, trigger that binge. <laughs> so that directly impacts your nutrition and your physical body. Right. So I think um, and I love this, like, even for you, like, and how you said, like, I'm giving myself the permission because I think that's really important, um, to, to start off with. And even with someone who has a, um, who has the reason to like follow a restrictive, more restrictive diet like yourself, I even, I have clients like that who have Crohn's or who have gut issues. And even so we kind of talk about in our head, reframing it being like, I have to follow this diet. I'm gluten-free, I'm dairy-free, I'm whatever-free to like on paper, you might know that because you and your naturopathic doctor or dietitian or whoever has like, okay, this is best for your body. But emotionally and mentally, we kind of want to just pretend we're not on that diet. <laughs> like we want to give ourselves, and this is where we kind of merge like the concept of intuitive eating and just whatever, like with more restrictive wait, diets. Wait, let me interrupt you really quickly, mm -hmm. just to get clarity. You're saying, you said emotionally, we want to pretend we're not on the diet. Are you saying that as a, this is a cool tactic that you help people with, or this is something that subconsciously we're like, nope, like, is this a beneficial thing to do? Yeah. Yeah. This is like a tactic. Yeah. So <laughs> we call it like, I do things with my clients and I'm like, let's positively manipulate ourselves. But, um, no, it works because in the sense of not that you're in denial, like logically, yeah. you know, I, I shouldn't be eating whatever. Cause 
I have that shellfish allergy or whatever, or whatever it is. But there's something about it in our human brains when we're like, we're not allowed to have it, the guilt, the shame spiral. So in our minds, if we kind of just look at that, like diet prescription is what we would call it as like, okay, that's my guide. Um, and kind of create space between it. Like that's my guide of how I um, should be eating to, to best honor my body, but don't look at it as the traditional sense of like, I have to live or die by this diet or I suck as a human. Does that make sense? So it's almost having like an abundance mindset because kind of like you said, Shauna, like you, when you do have like a couple sweetest fish, your body probably, hopefully now, especially if you're in like a healed phase, can probably handle that. It's when we have like the whole bag. And to avoid having the whole bag, we kind of have to like emotionally, like emotionally tell ourselves like, technically I could have whatever I want. Does that make sense? Like, I know it sounds kind of contradicting. I, that was a tactic in emotional, um, positive manipulation that I did when I was at my strictest and I would actually get angry. Um, if we were, uh, what's an example, even just in the kitchen, in our kitchen at home, Adam and I would be making dinner and he did so good, like sticking to my protocol, which was really strict. And it was like, no garlic, no spices, no nothing. It was very bland. Um, it was a SIBO. I don't know if you know the SIBO diet. It's like strict as shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I was on the SIBO diet on top of a more restricted SIBO diet, which is, um, bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine for the people listening. And you have, it's like FODMAP diet. Uh, and I would go so far because I was already like into personal development a bit. So like reframes weren't new to me. And I would go so far to only say like, if, if, uh, if we went out to my family's house and they ordered pizza or got Taco Bell or something like that, if Adam would say, oh, she can't have that, or my family member would say, oh, well, you can't have any of this, I'd be like, no, I don't want any of it. Like, I can't have it. I can eat it mm -hmm. right now. I don't want it. And I would get actually angry when people said I couldn't have something because I was I was literally playing with my mind. It's like, no, I don't want it because I would follow the loop down of, okay, if I ate, I can't, I, I literally can't eat it. Nothing's stopping me. There's no force field, but let's follow it down to what I'm going to feel like. Let's follow the path down to my emotional response. Let's follow it down to my impending death. And then, no, I'm deciding I don't want that thing. And it helped my body feel so much better somatically. Um, just saying those mm -hmm. things. And it was so much more empowering that I, even on my podcast a few times, it talked about like, if you're going to eat the salad, which is funny because right now I'm experimenting with carnivore. We went out to eat yesterday a salad sounding kind of good. Um, if you're going to eat the salad and bitch about how you want the pizza instead, like, why don't you just, you're eating the salad. So technically you actually want it. So why not just say, I want the salad and then stop bitching about the fact that you want the pizza because obviously you're choosing the salad over here, you know? Yes. I think exactly what you're saying, like the I can't or um, hearing that from family members and other people, it, it's just like, as a human, we don't want to hear that. Like it's, it, it's 
you get angry, you want to rebel and then binge and do the hide in the corner eating versus I love what you're saying. Like, even if you are someone who really technically it looks like you can't because of your issue or your, you know, your medical condition, empowering yourself by saying, I don't want to because I'll be sick or whatever, or it's going to make me feel bad, I think is a hundred percent an important thing to do. And you just brought up a good point for anyone who is maybe in that position of changing their diet. This is the other thing I share with my clients. It's like, don't tell people what you're like, unless you have to, it's your boyfriend or your hut or like, it makes sense to, t- to mention that you are, Oh, Hey babe, I'm not doing that. Like, can you help like support me? Whatever. If it's going to empower you, share it with people. Don't tell your family that you're going vegetarian because it's going to be so annoying unless it's like necessary. And it will have more situations where you find yourself in those moments where you're like, oh my God, don't shut up. Like, don't tell me what to do. So, and it all impacts, it impacts your nutrition one way or another. Because again, if you don't have that energetic shield or like you were doing your personal development, so you kind of caught that moment and rephrase and took your power back, most people aren't thinking that far ahead. Then that's why people go to the holidays, restrict comments are made, and then they end up in the McDonald's drive-thru binge eating because their emotional state is disempowered. Um, So yeah, I love what you're saying with like, even if you are on a restricted diet or whatever, take your power back, change the correct people if you want to, and change your words um, because you're going to have a better, like some, I like what you said, because it's so true, like somatically, inner, like, that's what I would call too, like inner congruency. Like it just feels better when it, you're like, oh no, I'm choosing not to, um, and versus people, I can't. Yeah. And, and the, there's people with, who have Crohn's disease diagnosis. There's people with cancer. There's people with, um, neurological disorders that do better with diet. There's people with all sorts of diagnosis, diagnoses, or, or challenges that diet will support that don't make those choices. Like I know people with Crohn's disease that eat like shit. And so I, it's not, no, in my mind, it's not a matter of can't because I'm choosing this and I'm, I'm choosing just something different. I go, I get Remicade, which is like every 10 weeks, it's an IV thing. Um, and there's people in there who, don't take care of their bodies and they just, they just lean on the medicine to help them take care of their bodies. And so it, it is an empowering thing. And so if, if you're choosing to do that in any capacity and not just extremes, it's so easy for conversations with me to fall into extremes because of my history, but in any capacity, you're, you're, you're choosing different than other human beings. So there is no black and white, yes or no, can't or cannot. Like it's all mm-hmm. about what you want. It's all about, it's all about that. I yeah. want to, oh, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say that's, um, I love that too. Cause it kind of puts you in the, like, even like you said, if you're that person who wants to lose 50 pounds and you don't have the restrictions or whatever, like it gives you the responsibility too. like, it's kind of like correcting someone and say, Oh, I don't have the time. It's like, no, you didn't make the time. And it's not to shame you. It's, it's actually to take your power back. Like, Oh, I can't eat like that. Like, it's like, no, you, you're choosing not to. 
Like, just like those people who are also getting the Remicade. I mean, there's barriers. I don't want to be insensitive, but like, we also want to empower ourselves by correcting ourselves and not saying that you can't, because like you said, with the pizza example, technically you could, but you chose not to, you didn't want to. So I, I think it's important to that conversation you're having and the words you choose. I would love to talk about holiday. So this is going to be any, this is going to go towards any meal, but you did a little um, reel about commenting on somebody's plate. And it reminded me because everybody in my family, obviously everybody saw me get sick. And so if they see me maybe eating too much of a sugary dessert or filling my plate or thinking what they, what they think is like overeating or not eating any fucking anything. They're always looking at my food. Um, I would like to talk about simple dinner time respect and like the biggest downfall mistakes to say, or like, let's talk about dinner table talk and, and talking about people's plates or having your plate talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing, and that, again, that's a real thing because depending on how we can handle it impacts how we end up eating and so on and so forth. So I think the first thing is to, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt. So like, even with your family, it's like, they're commenting on your food and your plate because they love and care about you. They mm-hmm. know that that's so connected to your health. So they're comp like they're making comments cause they care. Um, or because they're projected, like if it's, if in a different situation for someone else, they might be making comments cause they're projecting on you, <laughs> their own insecurities around food. That's the thing about food. It's like, we all have a relationship with, with food. We all eat. So therefore we all think we have these opinions that everyone should unsolicitedly hear, which isn't really the, the key. No one really wants that. Um, so I think first, like, because we can't control what other people do, but we can control how we respond to it as we all know. So like, if you're like, we say this to our clients, like if you're going into the holidays or family or like, you know, going at, to your mom's house or whatever, we all, we want you to go in empowered because you can't control mom from what every craziness she says and comments and how you look and what's on your plate. But you, you can do things like, um, remind yourself. So like just affirmations and like giving yourself the permission, having that, like what I call like an energetic shield, which is something you don't build overnight. Um, so going into it with that mentality of like, whatever mom says, like I can't control. Um, and it doesn't have to have the power over me, um, that it's had on me in the past. So kind of getting like active and intentional about it, I think is the first step. Like before you even walk in. Before you walk in and just in general, like I think a book I just finished and I loved was, is called Loving What Is by, um, Byron Katie. And it's all about our thoughts and things like that. And the one thing she says is we cause ourselves so much suffering by, thinking some, like thinking these thoughts and these stories around our thoughts, like the reality is mom always makes a comment on your food plate. So we know that's mom. The suffering is mostly caused by you thinking like mom shouldn't comment on my food plate. Mom shouldn't comment. But every time mom comments on your food plate. (laughs) So it's almost like we drive ourselves nuts, not saying it's right or wrong that mom's doing that, 
instead we know mom's going to comment. So let's just kind of like, I don't know, either accept it or, um, Lucy says this much nicer than me. Cause I'm like, in my family, I would just be like, shut the hell up. Um, but she says like, you know, you can set that boundary and say, Hey, thanks. Like, but this, but what I eat is like off limit. Like I'm not open to receiving your call. Like she, you know her, she's so sweet. Like you can literally have that dialogue or you can do like the cold shoulder thing of like, they make a comment. Oh, did you see the weather outside? Like you can, um, what's that word? Like, you know, change the direction of the pattern interrupt or, or whatever. And like have that honest conversation. Um, and just say, Hey, like when you do this, like, I don't, it doesn't make me feel good. I don't want to come over when you're always commenting on my food or something I say, cause I even to this day, Oh, don't eat too much before dinner. It's like, I'm 20 years old. <laughs> I can regulate myself, but I just say like, I thank you for that father. Like I can handle, um, my body. Like you could just literally make a statement. So does that make sense? Like what do you, what's your biggest challenge or what goes on for you when you get the comments? Well, there's two sides to this. When I get the comments, I feel bitter because my family does not reflect the actions they expect me to take on, in their life. So I feel bitter of the hypocritical actions, which then that bitterness is inside of me only. And then it will come out in different ways, whether that's me withdrawing or overeating or not eating what I actually want to, and then going home bitter. So I, I a lot of bitterness can surface. Um, secondly, as far as comments directed towards my body or my plate, I feel nobody wants to feel pitied or like they're broken. And sometimes it reminds me of this past and reminds me that like I'm not a normal person and I, it can almost uh, enforce those patterns of me thinking that I'm this broken body soul. Um, and that, again, is up to me to, to shift my relationship to that. Um, I think if I was, if I assumed that I didn't have my own history and I was just like a girl who wanted to make some health changes, maybe I was a little bit overweight since that's something that I had challenged with throughout my life and my, my family were making these comments, um, I, would, I would just feel not good enough. I feel like I couldn't please everybody. Um, and I was like under the magnifying glass, which is not ever what we want to help anybody feel like. But the other side of this, so all of that being said, my bitterness towards my family's comments, which is my family's love, let's remind them of that, which you did so nice. My bitterness about that is my responsibility. And I like to remember that. And sometimes it's challenging. And sometimes I'll, I'll ruminate on it that night and I'll just think about all of the all of the bitterness. But when I saw you talking about this the first time, you've talked about it a few times, I realized that I think I do it to people. Like, I think I do that. I think I do it to Adam. I think I do it to my dad. And even though it, it's joking, it's still, a, it's still a comment. So I'm curious, like, what, what people say the most to people that might be affecting them in ways that you don't know? And like, how can I do that better? Because I, I do it. Yeah. I <laughs> And you know, it's hard not like, again, like, unless you're like actively conscious about it or 
I don't know, a registered dietitian, <laughs> like who would like know the, I don't know, the, where that can lead. It's hard, like, it's almost natural to have that conversation or diet talk or like whatever. Um, I think the short answer is to just simply not comment. You know, the short answer would be don't. Um, I think the, just any, like, think about how you just said how you felt like when someone makes a comment, um, what are some of the comments to you that trigger you the most? It's, it's similar. Like when you're making a comment to someone or the comments that you've made in the past, like, I would just ask yourself, like, like, it's a simple rule of like, well, what, how would I receive that? If someone said that to me, probably not good because again, it's so spiraled and like, it's so connected to how we see ourselves and our worth that unless again, you're doing that work on the back end of like accepting yourself, creating the space between your worth and your food choices and your weight, if you're like not actively doing that, chances are that's still very intermingled. So any kind of comment like, dad, you're going to eat that. I mean, I struggle with that too, with, with my dad, especially cause he has that medical condition and maybe your dad does too. So it's, it's a fine line. I mean, if it is like a health condition that you're worried about, it might look like, Hey dad, it's because I care about you. Or, or sometimes what I find is like, not what, not during the person's eating experience or at the restaurant, but at a different time, Hey, you know, um, you know, there's a, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of sodium. (laughs) There's a lot of salt in that burger and your blood pressure's through the roof. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable, (laughs) but I guess in those situations when you're like, okay, it's a medical thing. I'm concerned about him. I'm taking care of him. There might be a little exception to that rule, but if it's like Adam or like, if it's someone who you think they should lose weight, I wouldn't even touch that with a 10 foot pole. And the same way that you would want your own autonomy and power to make your food choices when you're at mom's house you have to let Adam or whoever else have that too. So really, is there a comment that you can make? Right. You know, I don't think so. At least for me, I'm like, if anything, I'm like, is that any good? Can I get a book? Yeah. <laughs> but, and it might be a clue, Shauna, to like your own issue with that. Like if you find yourself having, and anyone listening, if you want to always comment on people's plates, I would challenge you to like get curious why. Like what makes you want to comment so badly? Maybe it is rude because like dad is sick and you're genuinely are concerned about him, but it very mel- it very well likely could be there's something internally that you're like about yourself more than the other person. Yeah. I think the game, the game is thinking before we speak, you know, Definitely. <laughs> uh, you said something what was it? I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's something that I do often, but I do just commenting on portion size. It's just so regular just to be like, damn, like you got a lot of, that's a lot of food on your plate. Uh, What was I going to say? It was, it was such a good question. So I just want to say Christina um, commented when we were talking about you, you coined it like positive manipulation or whatever you said. She said, I do this too. I didn't know what it was called. I call it, <laughs> I call it trick myself. <laughs> oh yeah. I, 
I don't think that's official, but yeah, tricking yourself in a good way. <laughs> Whatever works. Okay, so and I, I think oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just wanted to finish it off talking about like how do you I know we we sort of talked about it, but how do you, how would you specifically support people in enjoying desserts and, and food around the holidays because this is a more, you know, pressure filled time and they don't want to gain three pounds or whatever the case may be like how do you go about enjoying food that way so yeah I always say like similar to what the theme of what we've been talking about like give yourself the permission that number one you can like we we said you and I said like you can have it because human brain immediately when you're like, I'm going to mom's and I'm not having any desserts. It's like, what do you want to do? You want to have all the desserts. So try to zap that out of your thinking and just like, okay, I technically can have this whenever, wherever, 365 days a year. Um, so go in with that mentality. Don't restrict yourself. Come from an abundance place. With that being said, I always say like during the holidays or not, stay connected to yourself. Do you really want the pumpkin pie? Do you really want the cake? Um, cause a lot of the times we find ourselves like eating it based on a food pusher or emotional reasons where we don't even really want it. So, so stay true to yourself, um, to first ask yourself, like, do I really want this or am I eating it? Cause it's just there. Um, and this time of year, it's going to be there a lot usually. And then with that, if the answer is yes, so we're staying connected to our truth and to if we really want it. And then we're staying connected to our body. So we can always take more. Um, so let's maybe take a little less if you're worried about like mindlessly eating or like overeating is a challenge for you. Enjoy the piece of cake, have a slither, have, you know, as much as you want, but be mindful of how much you're eating and stay connected to your stomach and to your body. Um, because guess what, Shauna, you could eat a piece of, you could eat a cookie from now until the new year. And like, if you eat one cookie every day, like that's, that's, it's never the food. It's the behavior around the food that gets you into the trouble. Unless mm -hmm. again, you have that shellfish allergy, <laughs> like we were talking about. So, um, give yourself permission, stay connected, stay true to yourself if you even want it. And then stay connected to your body and honor it. Like, you don't want it you don't want like if you ate enough you ate enough um i think that's the simplest form what's your go-to tactic on dropping into the body and, and asking it is it is it taking a breath is it what, what are you doing i'm a heady person so it always starts in here for me <laughs> um but breath work i love that so i like literally asking yourself a question am i really hungry or if you're eating it, um, just kind of, I mean, now it's kind of natural, but I would even just ask yourself, like, how am I feeling? Am I full? Take a pause, like, if you're in your head. Um, or um, you can quantify it. So, like, there's something about, like, okay, if I were to rate my fullness right now on a scale of 1 to 10, it kind of forces you to mm. come up with a number and connect to figure it out because we're going to figure it out. Um, so that's what I would recommend to like drop into your body in the moment. I love that. And I learned about the quantifying one to 10 and we messed around with stopping at 80% because you continue to get full after you stop. And that works 
hella good because when we stop at a 10, then we're just disgustingly stuffed and nobody likes it. Yeah. And when you have the permission that you can go back for seconds, like you're going to adhere to stopping at an eight more often. But if you don't give yourself that permission that you could go back for seconds, you're going to like eat to a 10 or more. So it's all about like the mind game. Yeah. And one more tactic before we hop off, because it's, it's a couple minutes, 11 one with the quantifying things. I really like that. So I know him and I, Adam and I have conversations with each other because we keep each other in check. We know if the other person is going to feel like shit, if they're, if they're like really, really going at it. And so we'll just, and, and sometimes I'll do this with myself. And I think the self game is just as important, but sometimes we'll really friendly just look at each other and be like, why don't you wait 10 minutes before you take a second? And then this aside, mm-hmm. and then we wait 10 minutes and sometimes we want it. Sometimes we don't. And it, it really is a beautiful, it's like 10 minutes. I can look at the clock and quantify my time and my decision-making. And it, it seems to, that seems to really help a lot, a lot, the more that we can put that into practice. I love, yeah. The pause, even like, you know, getting up, taking one lap around the, I mean, you don't literally have to do that, but like for some people who struggle with that, who are breaking from like the, oh, just it's a habit to go for seconds at the dinner table, like get up, take one lap, take two, like again, quantify. That's like a behavior you can go do. Now sit back down. It's like that pattern interrupt. So I love that. I think that works for humans, like having that number or something to do. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you. I feel like, oh no, I was just going to say, I I hope I answered your questions. You, you had so many good points and, um, I know I like circumvented some of them to like say something else, but it was a good conversation. So thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. That's what I want with the coffee chats. I just want them to be what they become and and if they go off topic that's cool i'm sure it's fantastic i'm sure when you listen back it'll sound beautiful that's what happens to me and i'll be like what did i just say and then i'll go listen and it's like damn (laughs) um where so you are normalizing nutrition on instagram which i love and so since this is on facebook if you or on the podcast if you're listening on the podcast um michelle is normalizing underscore nutrition Yes. Yep. On Instagram. And then over on Facebook, um, I have the free Facebook community, Normalizing Nutrition with Michelle. So if you are looking for like the extra support to help you with your energetic shield and your relationship with food and all that stuff, you can catch us in there as well. I love it. What did you call it? You said soul-led dietitian? Soul-led RD. Yep. Dietitian. Solid RD. I love that. All right. Well, we'll chat soon. Any last words? Yes. Um, not much. Just remember, it doesn't have to be either or. You can honor your health and have fun this holiday season. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this year. Okay. Well, thank you, Michelle.